This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. What makes a successful jazz musician? Today on the podcast, I'm going to break down 10 habits that I find in successful jazz musicians, all the way from those who are just amateur players who are just trying to have a lot more fun to the best of the best jazz musicians that exist today in the world. All right, so pay close attention to this one. Get out your notes. Let's jump to it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. We help musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. So excited to have you here. If this is your very first time listening to the podcast, this is a good one because if you're here on the podcast right now, the likelihood is you are a musician who wants to feel like you're having fun playing music and jazz, feel like you have more freedom than ever to navigate and play your instrument. So this episode is talking about the 10 habits that I see in a whole range of different kinds of jazz musicians and what makes them successful. So first, let's start by just talking about what does success mean as a musician really in general, but also a jazz musician specifically. So when we're talking about success, I'm not talking about you reach the level of Charlie Parker or you reach the level of Bill Evans or you reach the level of Freddie Hubbard or you fill in the blank what your instrument is. I'm not necessarily talking about becoming a pro-level jazz musician, pro meaning someone who makes a living off of playing this music. In fact, the vast majority of those who listen to the Learn Jazz Standards podcast are, for lack of better terms, hobbyists, people that are playing jazz and playing music and playing their instrument for fun. Like This is what you do that gets you excited in the same way that sports enthusiasts love to cheer on their team and, you know, create fantasy sport teams. Like, I mean, that's what you're here for, right? You're here because you are a geek about music. You're a geek about jazz and that's what gets you all excited, right? And so what I'm talking about when we're talking about a successful jazz musician is I'm talking about someone who feels proud of the solos that they're playing, who yes, indeed does sound good to the outside ear. Like someone listening on the outside in would say, Hey, this person is a good player, right? But really I'm talking mostly about this internal fulfillment of I feel like I'm progressing and I'm winning and I'm getting better and I feel like I'm not afraid to play with other musicians at jam sessions or just one-on-one with others at you know at my house or someone else's house you feel confident to perform it with other people you feel generally good about your jazz playing even if you do want to keep improving, right? I mean, that's really mostly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a successful jazz musician, but I'm certainly drawing these habits from 
pro-level jazz musicians, from the greatest jazz musicians of all time, people that have reached a high level of proficiency on their instruments, certainly, but I'm also talking about habits that give you the most internal fulfillment, which is really ultimately what I hope you're looking for more than anything else, not to become the best musician in the world, not to um, impress the most amount of people, but to really enjoy music at a much higher level than perhaps you are right now. So with that in mind, let's talk about habit number one. And and just before I actually start, just to say that none of these habits are in order per se. They're kind of out of order. Um, Some of them do relate to each other and I put them closer together, but in general, there's no specific order here. So habit number one is successful jazz musicians focus on mastering the art of practicing. Okay, successful jazz musicians Focus on the art of practicing. Uh, One of my mentors uh, who really got me serious into jazz, his name's Justin Nielsen. He's been on the podcast a few times, um, notably episode 100. He once said to me, uh, and I believe he even said it on this podcast, he said that the most successful jazz musicians, the best ones in the world, spend just as much time honing their practice sessions and their practice routines, improving upon those as they do actual the improvement of their jazz playing. You know, the the mechanics of learning jazz language and learning standards and improving aspects of their playing, like they focus just as much time on the practicing. And that's because they know a secret that many of us either don't know or we like to ignore, which is that the practice is the machine that generates the results in our jazz playing, right? The practice is the machine that generates the results, right? It's kind of like, you know, you're going to work out, right? But you have zero equipment or you have zero knowledge of how to best sustainably work out towards your goals for becoming more fit, right? So for me personally, like I actually like to exercise. That's something that um, I'm into. It makes me feel good, keeps my mind clear, so on and so forth. And so one piece of equipment I have is it's called the Soul Cycle bike. It's kind of like a Peloton um, competitor, right? And there's classes on the bike, and it, I have a piece of gear. And this piece of gear uh, that I use, that I spent money on, it really actually helps me improve and stay motivated to practice, right? Okay. And on top of that, I also have weights that help me, you know, get that side of my body fit. And then on top of that, I have a schedule of generally, even though the rules break sometimes, of when I want to work out, right? And then on top of that, like I have an after workout routine where I drink my electrolytes and then I have a nut bar afterwards to get some calories to tide me over until lunchtime, right? So I have like a routine going on. And then I also like to run too. So there's different habits that I do for running, like stretching at a certain time. And so focusing on the actual, not just the ability to um, run faster, right? But just the whole environment around it, like what's the best time of day for me to exercise? For me, it's around nine o'clock in the morning, right after we either get my daughter to, you know, her uh, childcare for the day or whatnot. And I'm able to kind of do that right away before I get into the office and start working, right? So the practice routine is super important. So the most successful jazz musicians I can think of and I know are those who have mastered the art of practicing and are continuously honing that craft of getting good at that. Okay. Now the good news is while I said they're not in order, the next couple habits relate back to that one. 
And so habit number two is successful jazz musicians record themselves and they record themselves frequently, okay? So they are recording themselves in very simple ways, honestly. I'm not talking about, you know, going to the to the studio to record an album, like nothing like that. I'm talking about perhaps even just on their smartphone, they are recording an audio file or a video or, yeah, sure, it's fine if you have a better setup than that. You're recording with good audio and all that stuff. But they're recording themselves frequently because what they want to do is they want to document their progress and they want to be able to make decisions based on what they're actually hearing. Um oftentimes with a little bit of space between when they actually did the recording to when they're listening back so that they can be more objective about it so that there's less emotion tied to it. Okay, so number two is they record themselves. And number three, again, feeds right back into uh, the last two habits, which are really important. So habit number three, most successful jazz musicians, is they create feedback loops. Okay, they create feedback loops and these feedback loops are actually, again, they're giving them the feedback that they need to actually take measures to improve different aspects of their playing. So for example, right, you record a solo and then when you listen back to that solo, what you're doing is you're looking for what you're really good at already, okay, what we're really good at ready. And so for example, like you could be already really good at playing eighth note lines, right? And so you're really good, you have good swing feel, good phrasing. And so that's something you're already good at. And so things like that are worthy of actually practicing in the practice room, like spending more time doing those things, because those are the things that you're already good at. And if you develop those even further and get even better at doing that, right? then something even better is going to come out of that. It's like, again, I use this a lot on the podcast lately, and it's it's like the wine is in the barrel, but it just needs to age, right? And so when you're really focusing on listening back to recordings and figuring out what you're good at, you can double down on those things. And then, of course, there's the question of what am I not good at or what do I not like about this jazz solo, Right or this comping or this baseline. And that's where you can go and say, hey, I don't like my time feel or I don't like um, my rhythm or I don't like my jazz language. I'm not playing chord changes as well as I would like. And you can get very granular and get very specific about what those are so that then you can make a decision, right? It's a feedback loop. It's saying back to you, hey, Brent, you're not that good at hitting the chord changes, Okay, so what do I need to do? What's one strategy that I can implement in order to improve upon that? You seek out the strategy and then you know what to practice in the practice room, right? Great successful jazz musicians aren't guessing about what to practice to improve. They know what to practice to improve. And that's because going back again to the first three habits, number one, they focus on mastering the art of their practicing. So that's the big overarching one. Number two, they're recording themselves. And number three, they're creating feedback loops so that they're understanding specifically what they need to do, right? They're like their own jazz coach. Those are the most successful jazz musicians I see are the ones that are doing this super effectively. Okay, going on to habit number four. Successful jazz musicians are continuously learning new jazz language. So quickly, for those who aren't hip to that lingo, what is jazz language? So jazz language is just simply what is the, what are the lines? What are the phrases? What is the style of which great jazz musicians traditionally have played this music, right? So for example, over a jazz standard, like let's say autumn leaves or all the things you are like, there is a bunch of two, five, one chord progressions in there, right? What 
kind of lines and what kind of notes are jazz musicians playing and in what style and in what way are they expressing those over top of those chord progressions? Because what we want to do is download that information. So we're like, okay, this is what Charlie Parker is doing. This is what Miles Davis is doing. This is what Wes Montgomery is doing. And now that I understand that even just 10% better than I did before, it's a lot more likely that I can use that information to improve my own jazz solos or my comping or my bass lines or fill in the blank. Does that make sense? And they're constantly learning new jazz language because they're trying to download more, more vocabulary, just as if you were learning um, a foreign language and you're just trying to download more vocabulary, uh, not necessarily because that's necessarily what's going to help you speak the language back to somebody easily. It's just going to set you up for success to put the puzzle pieces together. And so successful jazz musicians do not ignore this, right? They don't just revert only to scales. They don't revert only to music theory. Like, yes, those are helpful tools that you could use, but they are continuously diving into the aural learned side of what the language the jazz musicians are speaking so that they can improve their own lines, their own solos, their own comping, right? Habit number five is they play with other musicians frequently, Okay, habit number five, they play with other musicians frequently. Okay, so they know that when they go to jam, even with one other person, right? Let's say they're a guitar player and they have a bass player friend and they get together to play, that there are sometimes more lessons learned than just by themselves in the practice room, right? New tunes that they need to learn come about, right? Uh, new challenges come about. Uh, again, recording themselves and creating feedback loops of them playing with other musicians at a jam session or whatnot. They're able to hear back, what does it actually sound like when I play with other live musicians? Like when I actually have a drummer playing with me, how do I respond? Where do I get lost in the form? Like what happens when I actually play with other people? And of course, on top of this, successful jazz musicians understand that that's kind of the lifeblood, especially of jazz, right? Is playing it with other people is that call and response, the feedback, the, um, you know, I guess to use the term again, a feedback loop that you receive from the other musicians to inform what you're going to play, because that's what improvisation is, right? It's like responding in the moment. And what makes jazz mute magical really isn't just, you know, playing along and improvising to a backing track. That's all well and good for practicing, but it's about what you're saying back to the person and what they're saying back to you. That's what makes it special. And so practicing that and being involved in that and performing, even if it's just in a jam session setting and not a gig, is something that is going to help you improve a lot faster than if you're just doing this by yourself in isolation. Okay. So that's number five. They're playing with other musicians frequently. Habit number six is consistent practice, okay, consistent practice. Um, this is one that, of course, is a bit of a cliche, right? Uh, practice consistently for best results. We've heard that before, but what I want to do is start talking about this one by talking about what it is not. So consistent practice is not the same as frequent practice or lots of practice, okay? Consistent practice is having a tempo of which you are delivering that practice time, right? So let's just say that you have three hours a week to practice, right? So consistent practice isn't necessarily 
on Saturday, I practiced for three hours and the next Saturday I practiced for three hours. Like that is consistency. Yes. The weekly practice, but it's more like on Monday, I have one hour on Wednesday. I have one hour on Saturday. I have one hour. That's just an example. It could be less practice time than that. It could be more practice time than that because successful musicians, jazz musicians understand that when we're learning a language, music being a language, right? That's also a cliche, but it's kind of true is we are trying to constantly use what's called spaced repetition. Um, it's a language learning technique, which is you learn something, you hear something, uh, you practice something, and then you may not touch it for a little bit, but then it comes back up again out of your subconscious and you're reminded of it. And so this brings up a more natural learning process rather than, for example, the opposite would be cramming for a test. So it's like, you know, go back to your high school or college days, you're cramming for a test. It's um, Sunday night and you have a test on Monday and you haven't done any studying. You haven't even read the book. And then all of a sudden on Sunday, you are, so you spend five or six hours studying for this test, right? Expecting that um, information to be retained, expecting that to feel natural. But where, whereas instead, if that was just more of a continual process, you'd be more prepared to deliver the results, right? So consistent practice, it's not a lot of practice. It's not even frequent practice. Like it's not even daily practice. It's however much time you have to practice now, but consistent, right? And that's really what creates the best results. Certainly in our inner circle members, that's where the most successful inner circle members, and I did a whole episode on that, by the way, where I talked about the characteristics of the most successful members that we have in our inner circle and what makes them successful. And one of them is the consistency of which they practice, right? Uh, habit number seven is perseverance. Okay, perseverance. This is really important. So perseverance um, just to define the word, to be clear that we're all on the same page is the act of pushing through, uh, despite challenges, um, despite struggles, it's continuing through friction to get to a certain destination, right? So instead of stopping and going the other direction or just giving up, it's continuing forward, right? And so while it does sound like a heavy weighty word, it's important to understand why it's important for a successful jazz musician is there is no doubt, like, you know, it doesn't matter who's selling you what, there's no shortcut to becoming a great musician that does not involve practice and overcoming challenges, right? When you are faced with musical challenges, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, right? But the key is long-term motivation, we want long-term motivation when it comes to playing music and, and jazz. And, and there's a lot of formulas to that. I talked about on this podcast too, like what create, how do you create motivation around playing music? But perseverance is when you hit a roadblock, when you hit a plateau, when you hit a musical challenge, when you hit something that maybe makes you feel uncomfortable, like, I don't know if I can actually get to that level. It's the ability to just kind of look at it from a different lens and continue through it. It doesn't even have to be something painful. To be per to persevere through something doesn't even have to be painful. It just is a shift in your perspective sometimes. It, it can be painful too, where it's like, I'm just going to keep going even though this sucks, right? And, and sometimes that's actually not what gets the best results. It's really just looking at things a slight different way. It's going like, hey, you know what? I really am not hearing the chord changes come out in my solos, right? Okay. 
I tried one strategy and it didn't work right for me, or I'm not hearing the results right now. So sometimes perseverance is just, okay, it, it needs more time, right? We need to, we can't, you know, build just the foundation of the house. We have to continue building the walls and the framing and everything to get it complete. We have to, we have to continue. So sometimes it just means continuing, but other times it means like, Hey, actually this isn't a problem here. The challenge isn't the problem. It's simply an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to get 1%, 2% better. And, uh, something that I've, I've started saying to our inner, our inner circle members a little bit more, um, both with private students, not private students, but privately through emails that have reached out to me or in our monthly jazz Q and A's and stuff like that is what if you could just get 10% better this month, right? Just 10% better, right? Or, or 1% better. Isn't that a lot better than 0% better, right? And so shifting that perspective, it's not about like, wow, we have to learn an entire jazz solo by ear. It's like, what if I learn four bars of a jazz solo by ear? Like it's that way it's not so challenging. It's just to shift a perspective of how we're going to approach things. So perseverance, that long-term thinking in a musician is really what is going to create the success for you long-term, the most musical freedom for you long-term. So we really want to be developing that attitude of perseverance when we're playing. Number eight, habit number eight is experimentation. Experimentation. The most successful jazz musicians I know are constantly experimenting on different levels. So for one, they're experimenting in the practice room, right? They're trying different things. They're trying different strategies. They're taking different approaches to their practicing. Remember, let's go back to habit number one. Successful jazz musicians focus on mastering the art of practicing. And so they're experimenting with their practice sessions. They're experimenting with strategies on certain problem areas, like, you know, maybe not good at jazz theory. So what's a small jazz theory thing we can apply to an improvisation setting that connects with me? They're trying different things with their learning style. They're trying different things. Um, they're learning different kinds of solos. They're learning different kinds of jazz standards. They're taking some risks with their jazz solos, even uh, not being afraid, of course, to sound bad. That's super important. Um, great, successful jazz musicians aren't afraid to sound bad, right? They're, they don't look at, at, at something that they don't like as like something that defines them. They look at it as an opportunity, and that's what an experiment is. Experiments go multiple different ways. Sometimes an experiment gives you a result that isn't what your hypothesis was, right? So you thought that by um, working on this improv strategy, it would give you X result, right? And it turns out that it didn't, right? That's okay because you just learned one way that at least today isn't really working for you so well. Now we try a different one, right? So we go and we, and you know, again, in the same line of thinking, they go to a jam session or a gig and, you know, they realize they're the worst player in the room. And instead of going like, wow, I suck. This is the worst. Um, you know, look at all the bad notes I played. Um, look at the time I got lost. It's more like, hey, look at the risks I took. Look at the people I surrounded myself with and look how I can improve from this situation. And now we can go and experiment and try different things, right? Um, experimenting is something that like I've been doing a lot in my business, right? So this is not talking about the music field for a second, but I think it can tie back to what we're talking about here. So in my business, right, as, as someone who, um, owns a business, right. And I want to grow my business and provide for my family, right. An important thing to do is to constantly be experimenting with different things, experiment with 
different channels to reach more people. Experiment with, um, you know, we have a YouTube channel, different kinds of thumbnails, different kinds of titles. Experiment with different kinds of emails to send. Experiment with different kinds of messaging on our sales pages, right? Experimentation is key to grow a business. And in the same way, experimentation is key to improving as a jazz musician. You have to try different things to see which things have a 2% gain versus a 1% gain. So thinking more that way is really a better way to think about it than being afraid to make mistakes. Mistakes are only insight into what not to do or what to do slightly different. Habit number nine is one that doesn't always sound sexy, but is super important. And that is goal setting. Successful jazz musicians are setting goals. And, you know, there's a lot of, when people hear setting goals, it's almost like their buttons, their, their, their mouse or their finger starts hovering over the, uh, leave this podcast, right? Um, not because they know it's, they think it's bad. It's just because it's kind of bored and tired to say set goals, right? So what I like to kind of switch it to, even though like really it's the same is successful jazz musicians create projects for themselves. They create projects, right? So for example, a project could be, I want to play a Charlie Parker solo, right? Now underneath that, like, why are they doing this project? That's the goal. The goal is like, I want to feel more freedom in my jazz playing. And then once they go back down from that, they go, well, who do I like that has that sound? Charlie Parker does. And I like what they play. Cool. So what's one strategy that we can implement in order to start learning how to play more like Charlie Parker? Oh, okay. Well, it's learn a jazz solo by Charlie Parker. I download some of the jazz language, right? That was habit number four. So projects are important. And that's why in our inner circle membership, the main thing we do is we learn one new jazz standard a month, right? And there's different projects you can do with that one jazz standard, but the main one is just learning it, right? And having that monthly success is what makes people feel that internal motivation and the excitement and the feeling like they're improving. Like that's super important, right? The psychology of, of playing music is super important. So having those projects in place will propel you forward. And so we have members in our inner circle who you know, literally started with us since we launched the inner circle, which was back in 2020. And they've learned every single jazz standard every single month. So I think we're on jazz standard number 36 or something like that right now. So they've learned 36 jazz standards. And if you hear they're playing from the first time to now, it's obvious they've gotten better. And again, that goes back to that number habit number six, consistent practice, right? It's that consistency, it's not practicing more or doing more. Like it's not learning four jazz standards a month. It's just one. But the consistency of which they're doing so creates exponential progress, right? So you want to have a goal. You want to do some goal setting, right? Have a why. Have a reason why you're doing what you're doing. And then reverse engineer it with projects. Projects are super important for that long-term motivation, right? Okay, and habit number 10. Habit number 10 is the most successful jazz musicians seek help, okay? They seek help. Um, now, this can come in a variety of different ways. So one way successful jazz musicians seek help is let's say they go back to habit number um, five, which is they're playing with other musicians. And one of those musicians is better than them. And so they're not afraid to ask that person like, hey, what can I do to improve a little bit more or what, what are you doing? Like, what are you practicing? Or, Hey, do you mind showing me what you did there? Right. They're not afraid to ask that question because they know that even if it's 
even if that one answer that they get from them isn't it, it isn't that one that really helps change the trajectory or lights off a light bulb, they know that the more times that they ask that question, the more likely they are to make a breakthrough, right? Because they're dealing with someone who's doing something better than them. I want to go back to my business example, right? So what I do is, um, you know, again, a goal of mine being grow my business, right? And I have other goals like get more, get more fit, right? Um, actually let's, let's talk with that, about that one first. So remember I talked about fitness goals being one of mine. Like I like to work out, like to stay fit. Um, that's to combat some genetic health issues I have. I mean, I won't go too much into that, but, um, you know, so one thing I mentioned, I have this soul cycle bike and on that soul cycle bike is, uh, a subscription that I pay for. And what that does is it offers me classes it offers me cycling classes that are inspiring and they're taught by a professional who's guiding you through the workout and there's fun music and it makes you excited to do it. And there's motivation. There's even kind of a mini community there um, where other people could be riding at the same time as you and you can give them fist bumps on there and stuff like that. So essentially I have in this case, professional help that's helping me and encouraging me and showing me what to do. And this makes the workout a lot of fun because I feel like I'm being helped by someone that actually knows what they're doing. And most importantly, it's motivating, right? It's motivating to get to know who that instructor is, get to know who all those, those people are, right? So yes, jazz musicians will seek out, successful jazz musicians will seek out help from their peers. That's definitely one level. They're also seeking help from professionals. Going back to my business, right? Growing my business is one of my goals outside of music goals. And so I, I've been a part of paid mastermind groups. Mastermind groups are just like, it's like an entrepreneur thing. It exists in other, in other places too, but mastermind groups are like a bunch of entrepreneurs getting together or business owners getting together and they're sharing what their problems are and they're helping each other out. Basically, again, that goes down to like surrounding yourself with other great people that are doing the same thing that you're trying to do. It kind of elevates you to the next level, right? So I've spent lots of money, like tens of thousands of dollars on paid mastermind groups, as well as like peer mastermind groups, which are again, just peers, like other people that are just doing the same thing I'm doing. I've met throughout the stratosphere and, you know, we can learn from each other. Right. And so that's what I was also doing in college. And in my career as a performing jazz musician is like surrounding myself with other musicians that were good and better than me and going to New York city, for example, it was like, you go to a jazz club or a jam session there and like, there's so many good musicians there. So just being around and asking for help and, saying like, Hey, do you mind if can we play together? Like with the intention of like, I want to learn what you're doing. Right. I had a guitar player back in like early days of college, like my freshman year of college, who was basically, I, I would say like one step ahead, one step better than me. Like if we could measure it, I would say one step better than me. Like I was good. He was good, but I would just say he had this, this extra thing I didn't quite have yet. And so I was always just playing with this guy over and over and over again, like duo all the time. He was just another guitar player. And so we would just play all the time and I would see things you were doing. And every once in a while, I'd just be like, Hey, Steve, can you tell me what you just did? Like, I don't actually know what you just did. And he'd be like, yeah, sure, man. Here's what it is. Right. So seeking help. If you want to improve your jazz playing, right. Seek out help. And absolutely seek out YouTube videos, seek out podcast episodes. I do that again with all the things I, my, my goals, I just talked about, I'm consuming content, but just remember that content, 
even this podcast is a bunch of random information with no guidance, right? With no personalization, with no any of that stuff. So yes, invest in a private lesson teacher. Uh, invest in a membership or courses like the Inner Circle, right? Seek out other musicians who are better than you and talk with them. That's what the successful jazz musicians that I know are doing. So let's quickly review all 10 of these habits. Number one, focus on mastering the art of practicing. Number two, record themselves. Number three, create feedback loops. Number four, learn the jazz language consistently. Five, play with other musicians. Number six, consistent practicing. Number seven, perseverance. Number eight, experimentation. Number nine, goal setting. And number 10, they seek help. So which one do you need to focus on? Which one do you need to do more of? And let's go from there. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do appreciate you. Hope you got value out of today's episode. And if you need help with improving your jazz playing, if you, uh, like we talked about habit number 10, seeking help, if you are seeking help and you want to improve every single month consistently, then check out our Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle membership. We have a really good time over there. We learn one new jazz standard a month. We also have plenty of courses on all things related jazz to fill in the gaps for you and just help you improve in different areas of your musicianship. And best of all, we do it along with the community of you know literally thousands of other like-minded musicians who play all sorts of instruments. Um, it's not just guitar players or it's not just piano players and not just bassists. And so that's what makes it so powerful is you got the saxophone players in there and the trumpet players and everybody's doing something slightly different. And, you know, ultimately those are the people you want to be playing with anyways. You don't want to just be playing with a bunch of other piano players, right? So great. It's a great community is what I'm trying to say. So if you want help, go to ljsinnercircle.com or go to the link in the show notes, or if you're on Spotify or Apple podcasts or wherever, you'll find a link in the show description today so you can learn more about it. And we'd love to have you join us on the inside. All right. We're going to be coming out with another great episode of the podcast coming up next week. Until then, Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out on anything. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.